This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. Well, this morning, we're just going to dive right in. Uh, If you haven't been with us three weeks ago, we uh, did a message entitled Sharing Your Story. We showed a a testimony video of Shea Bias and... uh, just the incredible things God is doing in his life and how we, each one of us, when we come to Christ, from that point on, we have a story to tell. We have a way of reaching other people by just sharing our story. We talked about four things we need with that. If you're going to be able to share your story, you're going to have to be bold. And we looked at the story of the disciples who were afraid, hiding out in a room after Jesus had been crucified. But once he appeared in that room and he said, peace be with you, and they realized he was who he said he was, that he overcame death, hell, and the grave, man, you couldn't shut him up. You couldn't stop them from talking about what God was doing, and even to the point of putting them in prison, and they shared anyway. So their boldness was there. But we also, we've got to be smart when we're sharing that. Not only just in how we share it, but how we live our lives. No one wants to hear from from someone about Christ if they're not living it out in their own life. So we have to be smart in how we share. We have to be ready when the opportunity comes that we don't bow out of that because we're afraid we're going to say something wrong or do something wrong. And finally, we have to be sincere. The same love that God poured on us when we receive Christ is the same love we share with others. And so it comes with sincerity. And that message led us to last week and what we're going to continue with this week, the idea of living a life worthy of the calling. As followers of Christ, you have been chosen by God. You've been set apart, gifted, enabled, and empowered to fulfill a very specific calling that he has placed on your life. Last week, we built the foundation of what it means to be called. And as we looked at the verse uh, in Ephesians 4.1, Paul wrote this in the Roman prison. And he said this, I, prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling. For you have been called by God. God wants us to live that life. So what does it mean to be called? We talked about that last week, that it's more we're called to who more than do. We have to understand that has to come first. We have to, to, to really be willing to live a life worthy of that calling. So it's who we become before what are we going to do. And the Greek word kaleo, we talked about means to be called. There's several words that come from that Greek word. One of them being ecclesia, which is the gathering of people. We don't just come into a building to have church. We are the people that create the church. We go outside of the building to be the church. So I want us to understand that, that it's more about who before do. And I really believe this is important enough that I wanted to camp here one more week before we move on to something else. Again, the Bible never talked about your calling to a career, but it did talk about your calling to become like Christ. And so that's what we're focused on. 2 Timothy 1.9, we read it last week, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. So as we dive into this one more week, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. I know we just worshiped and we prayed, but I just want God to really just 
open our hearts right now and we be willing to apply what we hear today. Not just hear it, oh, that sounds great, now I'm out of here. Let's really truly open our hearts and say, God, help me to take this word that I'm going to hear today outside of this building and apply it to my life. Father, that is our prayer. That is our heart today. And I pray that in in unity, as we are praying right now, God, that every person is willing to say, will you speak to me in my life? If there's an area where I need to step up with boldness, if there's an area where I need to maybe clean something up because I'm not living a life worthy of the calling, God, that you would speak to each and every one of us in a different way. That's the amazing part about you. As you talk to all of us right where we are, you know exactly who we are, where we've been, and what we've done. So speak to us today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If we're talking about living a life worthy of the calling, one of the things that I think is a problem is this incredibly complicated cultural environment that we live in can sometimes just wear us out. I mean, some of it's our fault because we place so many things in our life that we're trying to do, we're trying to keep up, and so we find ourselves exhausted just worn down emotionally, uh, spiritually exhausted, discouraged. So how do you overcome that discouragement? How do you stay above that? How do you keep your passion month after month, year after year? How do you do it? And the only answer I have for that is the fact that you're called. I have a calling and you have a calling. And when you see lives changed... When you see God doing miraculous things that you were maybe a part of, that encourages you and will keep you going to the next thing. It will keep you wanting to do more for God because you're seeing the outcome or the fruit of your labor. How many of you were brave enough to study? I asked you last Sunday to study and go back and read Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Anybody willing to say, yes, I did do it? Okay, I got a few of you that were willing to do that. Verse 4 of Colossians chapter 3, I apologize, I have a typo in the bulletin. It says 344, but it's actually verse 4. And here's what it says. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Now let's just be real here. Has Christ been shared to the whole world? No, we're not there yet. But we understand as Christ is being shared to those around us and we see Christ doing something incredible in other people, we get to share in the glory of that because we were part of it. So how many of you, I know some people weren't here, but how many of you were here two weeks ago to see Shea Bias' video, the testimony video? Maybe you watched it online. So lots of you will understand what I'm talking about today. I want to tell you the backstory that we didn't get to tell in that video. And it will help you understand kind of what I'm talking about in this moment. Many of you know Randy and Cindy Rauner. They greet at the front door. Uh, They're here every Sunday. I think they'll be here second service. I don't see them here now. But um, I called Cindy this week because I knew a little bit about this story, but wanted to make sure I had the details right. So I called her to talk to her about it. And she has a lot to do with this story that Shay shared with you two weeks ago. You see, they went to school together and grew up together. So they knew one another since high school. And Cindy said, I hadn't seen him since high school until about four years ago. Ran into one another here in town and just kind of said hi. Um, She knew his story, uh, even down to his brother being uh, committing suicide and all of that. She was around for all of that. So she knew all of that story. And even what I didn't realize until Cindy was telling this, she said, I saw him again about a year and a half ago here at church. 
because Shay came with Rick Burke, who is Shay's boss. And Rick brought him to church one Sunday. Cindy was greeting at the door, and she saw him walk in and was like, what is Shay doing here? And she hugs him. They talk. They reconnect about a year and a half ago. Now, if you remember in Shay's video, he talked about when his father passed away. That happened a few weeks after he was here about a year and a half ago. And when that happened, he talked about how that was like the, the last thing. He couldn't take it anymore. He began to spiral. Things just went downhill from there. Shay, you can correct me later if I'm wrong on any of this, okay? But I'm sharing the way, the way I got it from Cindy. And so from that, he made a social media post to his friends. He was just kind of like one of those things like, where are my friends now kind of a thing. In the time where he is in one of the worst moments in his life, Cindy saw that post. So she messaged him and reached out to him and said, I want you to know that I am here for you. If you need anything at all, whatever you're going through, I want you to know I will be here and I will help you in any way that I can. And reached out to him. She even shared her phone number. So through that, they, he shared his phone number back. They began to play phone tag. They weren't actually able to get a hold of one another until she called him one day and he answers, and it's the day he's checking in to the rehab place in Iowa that he mentions in the video. If you don't know what I'm talking about today, all I can say is go back two weeks ago, watch the video, and this will make more sense to you. But for those of us who have seen the video, here he is. He's checking into the rehab, and Cindy calls. He says, I'm really sorry. I can't talk a whole lot. I'm checking in, and I'm not even going to be able to, to have communication with others. The only way I can have communication is you can write letters. That's it. So Cindy... This is the cool part to me. She said, at that point, she said, I decided I was going to ride him. And so for 30 days, he's in this rehab, and she's writing him letters. And she said, had I been sitting with him in front of him, she said, intimidation would have got the best of me. I wouldn't have been able to really say some things that I wanted to say. But she said, because I was writing letters, he couldn't get up and walk away, right? So he, she said, I had a boldness that I didn't typically have. I was willing to say things that I wouldn't normally say because I'm writing a letter. And she continued to write him to encourage him, to just tell her she's praying for him, to just let him know that she is there for him. What an incredible story here. So we see this as, as Cindy's writing these letters and, and con contacting him. He finally gets to the point where he's able to make a phone call. He calls her to let her know what's happening in his life and the process of everything he's going through. And through that... Cindy and Randy have developed this relationship with Shay since he's come back to Missouri, come back home with he and his daughter. They even shared a birthday party together. And through that, Cindy said one of the coolest things is now whenever Shay will send her messages, and this is in a healthy way. Randy knows all of this is going on, so don't let anything crazy get in your head here. Do you understand? But he will send her scriptures, and he will encourage her with words from God. And they're, they're living this life out that we talk about all the time, the idea of how you lead someone to Christ or how you, you know, share Christ with someone and you do life together. They're doing that, and Cindy's like, now it's to the point where he's encouraging me, and he's sending me words of, of encouragement, and everything has just come into full circle. Isn't that amazing? We talk about this all the time, and it just sounds like it's theory. You can live this out. You can live a life worthy of your calling. And you can't tell me that Cindy doesn't get to share in the glory of what's happening with Shay. 
She gets to be a part of that because she was called to reach out to him. And she answered that call. I, I use this story all the time, and I will, this will never get old for me to share. I'll be honest with you. You might get tired of hearing it, but I'm going to keep sharing it. The idea that 32 people were willing to give up everything they knew about church and to say, we're going to sell off everything and we're going to buy this big building right in the middle of town and we're going to remodel it and make it for lots of people, even though there's 32 of us, we're going to do this and we're going to try to reach our community. You can't tell me that those 32 people don't get to share in the glory every time someone is saved here, every time someone is baptized here, every time a new family walks in this place. It's because of them that we're here today. This wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. That is what keeps you going. When you see the fruits of your labor, that calling will drive you. Sharing in the glory will drive you. So what is it you're called to do? If you're called by God, what are you called to do? Again, we understand it's who before you get to the do. A lot of people, what, what, what they want to be doing is they want to be called to a job or a task or something significant. But I want to show you three things that we are called to first. Three things. They're on the bulletin for you. You can follow along if you want. Number one, God calls you to salvation. God calls you to salvation. Before God ever calls you to a job, he calls you, or to a ministry, he calls you to himself. Jesus, he said he did not come for the righteous. He actually, he came for the sinners. He didn't come for those who were healthy. He came for the sick. It doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter how dark your life feels. You're called to Jesus and you can come as you are. Aren't you thankful for that? So your first call to salvation, please don't ever let that become old news. That should be at the front, forefront of all of this. What am I called to first? Salvation. Secondly, you're called to sanctification. What is that word? It's just a fancy word that essentially means to be set apart. To be different. Different from the world. That's why God, he called us to live a holy life, to be different things that we are drawn to, different things than the world is drawn to. Note takers, if you will, this would be something you might want to write down. Sometimes we talk about God so much, he becomes an identity marker for us instead of an identity changer. I will explain this. We talk about God so much, he just becomes an identity marker, not so much an identity changer. Having God as an identity marker reduces him down to nothing more than a label or a lingo or a lifestyle. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I mean, I act like one. I talk like one. I look like one. I'm a Christian. And that's all we make it, is he's just an identity marker. But God as an identity changer is much more because it means that I'm not the same person that I was. It means I'm letting God work in me to change me, to challenge me, to grow me spiritually. I am being sanctified. I'm not sitting stagnant with no evidence of him in my life. Does this make sense? So we're called to salvation. We're called to sanctification. Number three, he calls us to service. Each and every one of us. We talked about it that first week. Again, once you've accepted Christ, you have a story. You have a story to tell. And he calls us from salvation and sanctification into service. And again, Colossians 3, 17, part of that scripture we read last week. It's the last verse of it. Verse 17, it says, whatever you do. Whether in word or deed, 
You do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we're doing whatever it is, we're doing it as unto the Lord. Some of you say, what if I'm not ready? Do I have enough? Do I know enough? Am I good enough? You might believe you're called to salvation. You like that idea. But this idea of being called to service is too much. You're like, I- I'm not ready for that. But actually, you are. 1 Corinthians 1.26, brothers and sisters, I wanted you to think of what you were when you were called. So we're thinking back here. Think about it. It's in the past. What you were when you were called. Some of you need to remember who you were when you came to Christ, when salvation happens. He says, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. And this, of course, is encouraging to us because, you know, he calls the untrained. He calls those who appear unqualified. He calls those who look unprepared. The best way to say it is God doesn't call the prepared. He prepares the called. You have to think back of who you were, but as you're being sanctified, as you're growing, as you're changing, you look different than you did before. So he starts by saying, think of when you were called, speaking past tense. The the thing is, you should not be the same. So the first question to ask yourself, if you're sitting here hearing this today, if you've heard all three of these messages today, the question would be, am I a contributor or am I a consumer? Am I coming to church simply for what I can get out of it? Am I just a consumer just like when I go to the restaurant and I want them to feed me so I can walk out full? Or are you a contributor? Are you using your experiences, your wisdom, your knowledge, your failures, your mistakes in order to help someone else? He calls you to salvation. He calls you to sanctification, but it doesn't stop there. He calls you to service. And he doesn't call you when you have it all together. He's not waiting till you get to a certain level so you can serve. He's preparing you all along the way. He's equipping you all along the way to do what he's called you to do. And this may be the place where some of you are right now. You can't even explain it. There's no external reason why, but there's a spiritual drawing. It's a calling, this pulling toward the things of God. And you're drawn to it. You don't understand it. You don't know why. You're just drawn to it. And it's like this ongoing process of slowly letting God's word, empowered by the Holy Spirit, begin to conform you to the image of Christ. You begin to live a life worthy of the calling. There's something about being transformed by Jesus that service doesn't even become an option. It's just something we have to do. Service is just something that's in your heart, and you're like, I got to do something with this. I'm telling you what, I keep hearing, every time I talk to Shay on the phone, whenever we talk sometime through the week, he'll say, I'm ready. Whatever you have for me, I just want to serve. I'm ready to go with whatever you have for me. Am I right? Every time we talk on the phone, he's ready. He's ready to do whatever God wants him to do or whatever we have for him to do. It's unstoppable. It just happens in you where when you are allowing God to change you and do something in you, you can't help but want to do something with it. You can't help but want to serve. Now, I mentioned to you last week that I grew up going to youth camp. 
And at youth camp, there was a specific night. You know, there would be a salvation night, a healing night, and then a call to ministry night. And I can remember that Thursday night when I was 12 years old and I went out and I sat outside the tabernacle, which is where we met, and I sat under a tree and I just prayed. And I remember that calling. I remember knowing that I was going to do this right here at that point. Remember very specifically what God spoke to me. It wasn't an audible voice. It's never one of those where he says, you shall be a pastor. It doesn't happen like that. Be nice if he did. But I knew. I walked away knowing what I was going to do with my life. One of the reasons why so many people are called to ministry at a youth camp like that, think about it. Why has that always happened? They've pulled, in, pulled themselves out of their normal habitat with all the distractions of everything else going on in their life, and they spend a full week focused on God. With a service every night, devotions through the day, they're spending time with God. And you know what happens is before long, they begin to be able to hear and know the difference when God is speaking to them. You don't have to go to youth camp to do this, church. That's not, we're going to create an adult camp so everybody can go and hear from God. No, who's got time for that? But can I tell you, you have time to sit down and truly focus on God and let him lead your life. And let him speak to you about what you are called to do. For the juniors and seniors, those getting close to graduating in the next year or two, you're always looking at that point, people are asking, what are you going to do with your life? Where are you going to go to school? What job are you going to have? What career are you going to have? All those questions begin to come. And as you're looking at college, man, it's so easy to go, well, I'm going to find the place that will give me the best scholarship. Or I'm going to find the place that's best for my career. Those are good things to do. Don't get me wrong. Those should be somewhere on your radar. But at the same time, how about beginning with the question of God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And let that lead you because you'll wind up in the place you should be. He'll provide the scholarships. He'll provide what you need to get through school if you're following his direction. And that happens by taking time to let him speak to you on those things. It starts with being called to salvation. You're drawn to the goodness and the grace of God. He begins to change you, and you become sanctified as you're doing that into service. And you just have this desire to want to serve him. doesn't mean you're leading a church. doesn't have to be in ministry but you're serving God in a specific way. So let me talk about two things that happen during this calling. The first thing is this, calling costs. It's going to cost you. I'm not a salesman. I don't get up here and just try to, you know, get you to buy this so you can walk out and feel good and then you find out some twist later. Why didn't he tell me? No, I'm going to tell you, it costs. Calling cost. Whenever God called Saul in the Bible, he was the guy that hated Christians. He persecuted Christians. He's going to later have his name changed to Paul, and he's going to write most of the New Testament. So we hear from him a lot. Most of the scripture we're hearing today is from Paul. But And when he was Saul, he saw a light which blinded him, and it was an experience with God. And so he's blinded. He doesn't totally understand what's going on. God sent a messenger named Ananias to give Saul a message. Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16. I want you to read this with me. If you have your Bible, you can look there. Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16. It says, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go... 
This man is my chosen instrument. This man is my chosen instrument. Think about instruments for a minute. We don't just put eight guitars up here to have worship music, right? You don't see any band that just says, let's put eight guitars up here and let them all just play that instrument and they're just going to be a band. No, you've got to have every part. Each one has a purpose. The drums, man, they're keeping the tempo. They're keeping us together so that we, some of us who are kind of have trouble with tempo, the drums help us be able to clap so we can stay on beat. The bass is giving us that low-end fill so we know what's happening. The keys are kind of giving us the, you know, the piano sounds, but also there's this fill coming in behind that. The, 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 the strings are happening. You got the guitar, you got different voices. Everyone has a part they play in this. And God is saying, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. He could have sent other people, but he chose this man. He could have sent anyone. Would they have done as good? Maybe not. Because God chose this man as his instrument to proclaim his name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. But he says this, look at verse 16. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Saul, good news, you're called, buddy. Bad news, it's going to cost you. You're going to suffer for my name. I'm going to show you how much it's going to cost. And some of you, you're going to recognize you are God's chosen instrument to a certain place. Whether it's where you work, maybe you're a chosen instrument to your workplace. Maybe you're a chosen instrument to the crazy ladies' bunco night on Tuesday nights where they somehow wind up rolling in the floor. I don't know. I don't understand it. I just hear things, okay? (laughs) You might be God's chosen instrument in your sorority. You might be God's chosen instrument at your gym. Whatever it is, God chose you for that place. The moment you step into that calling, you're going to have to step out of your comfort. Get ready. Because calling costs. This is really hard to explain, but the only way I know how to do it is, is, is tell you a little bit about what Courtney and I have been through. We started in ministry in 2003. And again, I, we, we both knew that we were called to this. So we, we knew before we got married what we were going to be doing. So we began as youth pastors and we, we did that for six years. I then went into music ministry and led worship for eight years. But my youth pastor, when I was a senior in high school, I've told you stories about this. He became what's called a district youth director and he led youth camps every summer. He traveled around, spoke to youth groups. This was one of those things I, I got to be a part of that with him. It's, I trained under him. I loved that position and it was a dream job for me. I would have loved to have been able to do that. I got information about Northern Missouri's district youth director had stepped down and that position was open. I applied for the position, and before I knew it, I had the job, my dream job, something I'd always wanted to do. Some people want to be a doctor, lawyer, baseball player, whatever. This was my dream job. Couldn't believe that I had the opportunity to do it. I was traveling, speaking to students. I was doing the youth camp thing, doing all of the youth convention, all these things. I had a goal of maybe five to ten years getting to do that one year in. One year. And I get a phone call knowing that I'm loving what I'm doing, but I had the opportunity to become pastor of a church. And here I am in this situation where 
I've just been here a year, God. Why, why would I want to go pastor a church when I'm doing my dream job? But it was what he wanted me to do. So I had to leave the very thing I loved in order to go do what God was calling me to do in pastoring a church. Calling costs sometimes. I don't know what it'll be for you. Some of you might get to the place where, you know, your deepest pain will launch you into your greatest calling. It's going to cost you something. You're going to be misunderstood. You're going to get falsely criticized. You're going to face spiritual attacks at some point. But that private pain is often a big part of public calling. It will bring you into something else. And you need to know that you're called, but that calling will cost. That blessing comes with a cost. Now, I don't typically do this, but (laughs) this is going to hit everybody my age and older, but I'm going to do it anyway. How many of you know who Garth Brooks is? Yes? All right. I don't know if you've ever watched it, but on Netflix, there is a Garth Brooks documentary. And I'm just going to use this as an example because I I find it interesting. But Garth was talking about in the 90s, you know, he's trying to raise to fame. And of course he did. Um, He became very well known selling millions of records and all this. And he said, one time my dad told me something. And he said, I didn't totally understand it at the time. And he holds his hands up like this. And he said, my dad told me everything that's a blessing can become a curse. And everything that's a curse can become a blessing. And as he was talking about that, we didn't, didn't really know what he was talking about at the time until they get to the part where they're talking about the song, The Dance. Looking back. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> the dance. All you got to hear is that line and you know. And he said, the author of The Dance, the guy who wrote that, was good friends with Garth Brooks. They actually had a baby a day apart. This guy's having his child. Garth is having his child. Day apart, same hospital. This guy, coming and going as he pleases. His wife wants something to drink, needs something down at the cafeteria. He's just going wherever he needs to go. Garth, not so much. Because everybody wanted a picture of that baby. Everybody wanted to see what was happening in his life. He's trapped. And that's when he said, everything that's a blessing can become a curse. And everything that's a curse can become a blessing. Now, I'm not telling you that calling on your life is a curse. That's not what I'm saying. But I am telling you that when you are called, it is both a gift and it becomes a grind. Living your calling is simultaneously a thrill, but it also can be a burden. Ministry is exhilarating, but it can also be exhausting. Following Jesus is both your greatest gift, but it can become your greatest burden because you can't release it. It's something that you're called to, you're drawn to, and you can't help but want to do it. But the biggest enemy of your calling is comfort. To say, I don't want to step out of my comfort, so I'm just going to sit back, somebody else can do it. If God calls you, it's going to take faith, and you have to understand it's going to cost you something. But I mentioned Cindy in the beginning and how she gets to share in the glory of watching and seeing what's happening in Shay's life and how they're sharing life with one another now. And the 32 people that created this place and how that calling drives you to the next thing. Which leads me to my last point. Calling sustains It's what carries you. It keeps you going. Whenever you look at the life of Paul, remember he was Saul. And God said, I'm calling you to preach to to the Gentiles, but also I want to tell you how much it's going to cost. Can I tell you? It cost him something. 
Man, he was shipwrecked, beaten, left for dead. All these things happened in Paul's life. We've talked about it before. How did he endure all that? How did he remain faithful and not get discouraged? He did not finish the race because he was competent. Paul finished the race because he was called. That's what drove him. And that calling continued to drive him. Listen to his words in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Here's what it says. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived, but my goal, excuse me, at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has done what? God what? God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's what drives him. It's the call that God placed on his life. Sometimes you just have to forget what's behind, forget what happened in the past, and press on and keep going. It can't, nothing can stop you. You have to finish the race. Why? Because you're called. And when you are called to something, the main thing to understand first is that you're called to salvation, You're called to sanctification, but you're called to service as well. You have a ministry of reconciliation, helping broken people find their way back to the grace of God. Don't let anything that's happening around you take you away from that call. Don't let the voices of those who are discouraging take you away from that call. You're called to live a life worthy I said, you're called to live a life worthy. Will it be difficult? Yeah. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, Paul said, I'm hard pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. I'm struck down, but not destroyed. What keeps us going? How do we overcome physically drained, emotionally depleted, spiritually exhausted? It's the call that sustains. And as we conclude this this morning, I'm going to ask all of you just to stand with me where you're at, if you will. Three weeks we've been on this, understanding that you have a story to tell, that you have been called by God. So I'm going to let Scripture pray over us this morning. I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads and hear these words, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. We pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. And that his power, by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness. And your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. I'm going to read that again. Let this speak to you this morning. We pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. That by his power, he may bring to fruition every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. Father, in every one of us, you have a desire to be glorified. You have a desire for us to speak your name with boldness, to speak your name with confidence, 
to be an instrument to those in our environment. God, you don't need all guitars. Some of us are going to be drummers. Some of us are bass players. Some of us are keyboard players. Some of us are guitar players. But we are an instrument called to do what you've called us to do. May we live a life worthy of that calling. And let that calling begin to sustain us. Lord, as there's opportunity for discouragement. There's opportunity for us to get worn down, depleted. May that calling continue to drive us. And every time a life has changed, every time someone new comes to Christ, Lord, that just drives us even more. We get to share in the glory of that. We get to be a part of what you're doing. May we be bold, smart, ready, and sincere, willing to share our story. May we live a life worthy of the calling and understand that we are called to salvation. We are called to sanctification. We are also called to service. Use each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.